0: Hello, it is 22nd of April, 2018, and this is episode 64 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Kirsty.
0: We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star's news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So Kirsty, how have you been doing after our adventure together in New York?
1: I've been doing pretty well. Um <laughs> Good. <laughs> I miss New York and I miss you already.
0: Oh, same. We very had much.
1: such a great time. Definitely. Um, but yeah, like, I've just been kind of getting back into work after spring break and reading Star Wars stuff because Slash Shot came out this week. And um, that's the book about Han and Lando. And it's set across three different timelines and layers in it, and Big Ben Solos in it, and the new droid L337 from the solo movies in it, too, and all sorts of other characters. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I know you're in the middle of reading it, so we won't get into a full discussion now, but hopefully we can have one next week.
0: I'm very interested to hear that Lando's droid is in there. I'm not going to ask in which capacity, because I kind of want to discover for myself, but that isn't something I was expecting. So.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry if I spoil something.
0: <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't even count that as a spoiler. I just count okay. it as like an interesting tidbit. If you'd said, oh, the droid is with Lando in this part of the timeline then I think that might be more of a spoiler because it'd be like, oh, so the droid is clearly about at this point in events, which okay. is a different type of thing. But you didn't. Yeah.
1: Know. She's not a major character in it, but I think that was a good thing because it got me wanting to see more of her and we'll get that in a few weeks. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's nice and tantalizing. Um, yeah. So just so people have context for the way in which I started this out, Kirsty and I met up or we were both in New York last weekish? I kind of forget how long ago it was now. It feels longer ago than it actually was, if that makes sense. Um <laughs> and yeah, we hung out together, we watched The Last Jedi together, which was awesome. And we even watched the making of documentary together. So it was really cool. And um, we managed to make it Star Wars Tastic, even though there wasn't really anything Star Wars related going on in New York at the time. Um, the only real Star Wars things I picked up on were... Well, I literally picked up a copy of the Junior novel, which was good because it still hadn't been released in the UK. So that is now mine. And Have you won- read any of it yet? No. <laughs> I get a really I'm going to read my shot first, and then I'm going to read the Junior novel.
1: I'm really interested to see what you think of it because it's been <laughs> controversial in places. <laughs> Have you read it all? Yes. <laughs> Honestly... Um... I'll just say, like, we've talked before about how we love the Force Awakens junior novelization. Mm-hmm. um, More even than the adult one. Uh, I just thought it did a better job with the characterization. But The Last Jedi, and it's written by the same guy. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> a lot of stuff in it is, like, directly contradicted by the movie itself. <laughs> so
0: Doesn't it turn Kylo into, like, a bit of a mustache twirling villain? In
1: yeah! Place? He's, like, full-on... Cackling at his <laughs> evil decisions and like, haha, Ray, I tricked you, and it's just really weird. That's so, so funny. It's an it entertaining read.
0: Journalist read. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's funny, yeah. but I could see why it would like also make some people angry, or like it's just like this is not what happened. He must have had pretty bare notes from Ryan or like a very early version of the script without Any indication of how Adam will be playing those lines? Mm. Because it's not at all what comes across in the movie.
0: Very interesting. I definitely look forward to the experience of watching it. Let's put it that way. Um, Right. I think we can probably dive into the news now. And for obvious reasons, this is going to be a real catch-up episode. It's been almost a month, I think, since we last recorded an episode, which is crazy. Um, And yeah, lots of stuff has come out, mostly to do with Solo. As you'd expect, because, yeah, the Last Jedi thing has really wound down at this point. Um, But yeah, on the note of Solo, the first thing we're going to talk about is that there's been a new trailer, as well as several TV spots. Um, So I think we'll probably talk about each of these in turn, because there's some interesting little features in each one that we're probably going to want to talk through. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the second trailer and yeah so what did you make of this trailer kirsty it it came out while we were in new york and yeah that was exciting exciting. yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so obviously we we didn't have time to do a full trailer breakdown and other people have done fantastic jobs with that anyway Mm. um so i thought it was a really great second look at what the movie could be about because the first one it gave us like little indicators and visuals but there's not a huge amount of stuff there in terms of the story right yeah um but yeah, I I really enjoyed this one, and it was kind of expanded on by the TV spots that came afterwards. But I am so excited to see Han and Chewie's relationship. Yeah, because you really get a sense of this is like right at the beginning of their friendship. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna get that origin story.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Like there were lots of really cool little moments in this trailer that I really appreciated. And to be honest, it was that kind of weird thing where I only really feel like I got the trailer when i was back home in the uk and able to see it on like a big screen because previously i'd only been able to watch it on my phone and that's obviously quite a different experience and you miss out on a lot of the detail and so yeah like i really enjoyed being able to see it and you can see like how lovely crafted it all is and i love the creatures and i love the sense of like this grimy world that he's inhabiting i think that all of that came through really strongly so yeah i really enjoyed it um and I also think there are some really great lines in this trailer. Yeah, so I really liked Tobias Beckett saying, Let me give you some advice. Assume everyone will betray you and you'll never be disappointed. I know it's a bit of a trite line. I know it's furry on the nose. And I think a lot of it is maybe Woody Harrelson's delivery because he's Woody Harrelson. But I just <laughs> really like that line.
1: Me too. I feel like it's a good setup for what Han is going to learn through this story that gets him to the point where we meet him in A New Hope. Yeah. Because that's, that's what he ends up like, right? He learns that lesson one way or another.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then we kind of see like, that cynicism eroded over the course of the original trilogy. And mm-hmm. that's like a really lovely thing. So yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that shell is built up in the first place. Because watching like this trailer you are really struck by how very young he is which is of course the whole point It's like a young Han Solo movie um but yeah he really does just seem like a kid and I guess it's really going to be like a coming of age story for Han Solo in a large way which I'm actually really excited to see now I won't pretend I was always excited and it took me a while to get to this point but I feel like now the publicity is revving up and yeah I'm on board basically
1: Yeah and you know I think that's fair because for a long time we didn't have any indication of what the story was going to be. Yeah. So and there we've talked before about what kind of arc would they give him because he has that anti-hero coming out of his shell learning to love people arc in New Hope so is he just going to be an asshole before that? (laughs) Like I think what they're doing is really interesting that they've chosen to show that progression like how he got to that point so that when you step back after this movie, hopefully, you have this really detailed, nuanced impression of who Han Solo has been at these various times in his life.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how those puzzle pieces fit together. Um another shot I really liked in the trailer was the um like Wookiees like doing the whole Eskimo Kissing. Yeah. <laughs> that was adorable. So like how do you feel about the holiday special re entering canon? <laughs>
1: well i'm trying to work out, i think could that be lumpy his son
0: i was thinking it's more likely to be his wife actually it looks more like a romantic thing to me than like a paternal thing yeah, i think <laughs> it's, it's really like hard to see tell. romance
1: between Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's one of those things where it's like really hard because like a forehead bump like that it's like it could be familial or romantic i think yeah right like, I, yeah, I mean, we'll see when we get the movie, but I was like, I, I genuinely can't tell if that's his wife or his child. Oh, so. <laughs>
0: well, Wookiees, they have their, like, funny habits. <laughs> <laughs> God,
1: you know, before The Last Jedi came out, we were really obsessive with, like, keeping up with every little tidbit, so yeah. I don't know if we've had any new information to confirm who who it is. Mm. Um, I, I so. think I've
0: seen lots of discussions online where people take it for granted that it's Marla. Okay. Yep, and also the final thing I wanted to draw attention to really in the trailer is I really like the look of that um, laser whip thing (laughs) that Dryden Voss is using Um, so obviously there's no context but it was just interesting um, because Dryden Voss is Paul Bettany's character and he's apparently the big shot gangster that they're doing the heist for and that everyone keeps on talking about across all the promotional material so I'd assume that that's Something from quite late in the film, like just because he seems like the kind of character, well, he'd be very cool and calm and collected for much of it, but then you might see him become like unhinged and really dangerous and violent, like towards the end when it's like climatic and the stakes are raised.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't really given much thought to the chronology of it because the timeline, it kind of whips around to all these different eras, right? Like, doesn't it span something like six years?
0: Yeah, there's definitely going to be at least a few jumps. Mm. And, like, I get a sense that we're going to see at least, like, Han and Kira when they're teenagers on Corellia, like, and just running amok and, like, making fools of the law, basically. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, exactly. Bonnie and Clyde style. Then we're going to see Han when he's, like, an Imperial, like, trainee. And presumably, when he decides to like leave the the empire for whatever reason, and then we're going to see him a bit later on when he's really in like the criminal underworld and he's like getting deep into that. Mm. So yeah, it's just my logical inference, though. So we also
1: Yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, honestly, I I'm excited about this movie, but it's in such a different way from how we were for the Last Jedi that I'm. I'm really enjoying it actually like looking forward to this movie Mm. but not feeling like a nervous or oh god certain things have to happen you know like i mean not not to sound like negative about it because we were very excited for the last jedi um but do you know what i mean it's like there's no huge stakes
0: yeah no i know exactly what you mean it feels way more relaxed that's kind of how i feel about it and yeah it's really nice
1: I think it's what the Star Wars fandom needs after The Last Jedi, to be honest, because it's, what, like, five months at this point and people are still upset about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, though.
1: Yeah, so have a nice palate cleanser.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, the worst is when you see people saying, like, I'm going to boycott Solo so that Disney learn we hate them, you do in Star Wars. And that's, like, the most dumb (laughs) thing. It's like, God, Like if it comes out and all your friends tell you it's shit and you'd hate it, fine, don't see it. But you're really going to arrange a boycott for film where you have no idea what it's going to be like. What the hell? Yeah. The internet is so strange.
1: I don't know how people think they could start a movement that would actually have enough of an impact there. Like If people go to see movies, if they don't like them, they don't like them and they say so, but... It's not a cause.
0: Do you remember that time there was the change.org petition to replace J.J. Abrams with Ryan Johnson as the director of Episode 9? That is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's like, just got so much irony going on. It's delicious to me.
1: Yeah, J.J.'s going to be the saviour now. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like, oh, J.J. will save us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right, then the next thing we want to talk about is that there was a TV spot very shortly after this second trailer, and I think we both agree that this is actually our favourite piece of promo. Is that correct, Kirsty?
1: Um, I think so. Uh, I- I'm getting to the point, sorry, I know this is bad, that I'm like, finding it hard to distinguish between all of these different things. I know we really only have two TV spots and there'll be more to come, mm. but it's hard for me to kind of be like, oh yeah, that one's definitely my favourite. Yeah. Is this the one where they do like the tapping and he has the cards and shows yeah. them? Yeah, it's okay, tapping. so I did I did like that one. Yeah. yeah. It was fun.
0: Yeah, no exactly. And that was the moment I really liked in this one. It seems to be like they're playing Sabak and it's Han and Chewy at the Sabak table. And Han just shows Chewy his hand and like chewie's like, Oh god, this isn't gonna go well.
1: Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. Chewie seems like such a he's a bit of a downer isn't he because like yeah. I- I- is there one part or maybe this is the other TV spot when Han's like oh I can't remember what the line was but he's like oh I have a good feeling about this and he says that Chewie never has a good feeling about this or yeah something that's like this that. one that's okay yeah TV spot. that was another cute moment
0: yeah <laughs> no so yeah I agree <laughs> up, Chewy. he's a definite <laughs> pessimist like <laughs> My overanalysis of that situation leads me to wonder if perhaps it's some um, to do with like the empire's enslavement of Kashyyyk, and it's just oh. led to this like general like mo- depressive mood where like everything is going to go bad for you because yeah they're so used to bondage.
1: You had to go make it real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Way too real. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Oh man, bum me out. <laughs> Oh, Chewie.
0: Yeah, I'm talking too much about space politics at this point. I really doubt the movies will go that far into it.
1: I don't know. They could. Like, with him leaving his family like that, that could be a really emotional moment.
0: Yeah, I I, I think they could definitely, like, depict how things are. So, I I reckon that it might happen that, like, Han is, like, an Imperial recruit, and perhaps it's, like, his first mission, like, how it was for Finn at the start of The Force Awakens, who sent on his first mission to Jakku. And like that's the point when they realise holy crap, this is the reality of like working for the Empire slash First Order. And that's the point in which they decide to like make a break for it. And actually I'd really like it if they did that, because then I think it would add this whole new context to the way that Han kind of like takes Finn under his wing in The Force Awakens. You yeah. Know, because he could really be identifying with that on some level.
1: Yeah, I do think there were some powerful potential parallels between Han and Finn and Ray really, yeah. Um, to see these kids who've had harsh upbringings, uh, trying to find where they belong—not just like he was. I mean, uh, the stuff about the flight academy—it's not clear to me. I guess we'll see this in the movie whether Han how, like how far he got, whether he was actually going on missions or if it was like a case of being in some school and then getting kicked out for like not following the rules or something.
0: Yeah. No, it's really hard to say. Um, I guess it's just the mutual like empire connection, like of Han being like an imperial recruit, and then Kashyyyk being like under imperial control. That's what yeah. makes me think there might be some kind of link there, but that's okay. not necessarily how they do it. So that's just yeah. my spec. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it's a really good little TV spot. And like you said, it's about the whole tapping of the cards thing. Like the way that like kind of syncs with the music. It just makes it really like cool. And like, yeah, I like it.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see how the music is used in this movie because I feel like it's going to be quite different from like even Rogue One mm. still felt pretty Star Warsy. But yes. for this, it really seems like it's going to embody the recklessness and kind of rebellion of Han Solo as a character. Oh, um, definitely. And unless what they're giving us in the trailers and TV spots is totally different, but I don't feel like it's going to be. Yeah. Um. So, we're hoping to have Christy back to talk about the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. So, no, that'll that'd be f- really fun.
0: That'd be fabulous. Um. Yep. And then there's just been one final TV spot, which is titled "Risk." And the main notable thing about this one is that there's like a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink thing. Where, um, like, Lando is, like, ticked off for flirting.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so I thought this was... That was, like, the thing that I immediately zoned it on. But yes. apparently, the big thing for lots of people was that he said Han. Oh, really? But, but Because, you know, like, in the original trilogy, people say, like, Han or Han. Or, oh. like, like, you know, lots of Star Wars words get pronounced various ways. Like, yeah. Leia and Leia. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so people were interested to see that lando had said ham
0: right uh, in so, the
1: classic american way mm. um, so that was what a lot of people on twitter were talking about and i was like wait a minute <laughs> l3 just called him out for flirting with what looks like ham elephant Hello? in
0: the room <laughs> <laughs> yes to me like the pronunciation it doesn't even like register
1: no me it, neither I is know.
0: something that <laughs> Like, I notice when people point it out, but, like, when I'm watching the movies, that's just totally not on my radar.
1: It's one of these things where people, yeah, get really into the idea of, like, oh, why are they all pronouncing pronounce it differently? It's like, well, they all come from different planets, so, of course, they have different ways, like, there's different accents, basically, right?
0: Yeah, people say my name in different ways all the time, and I'm sure they especially do that with you. I know a lot of people call you Christy.
1: Christy, Cassidy. Cassidy, what?! <laughs> Because, like, oh God, I I have this complex now. I, I, okay, I've lived in America for about six years, and literally every time I go to order a coffee or whatever, no one hears my name correctly. So, because, I guess, I, I talk differently. So, it's Christy, Casey, Cassidy. So, I often no. just give a fake name just so that there's not this awkward back and forth <laughs> of me having to spell out my name to strangers. Oh,
0: my God. That's so funny. Yeah, well, that just more than proves the point to be honest if that can happen in like one city imagine all the variation that will happen across an entire galaxy i'm
1: sorry Exactly. so anyway it looks you know whether it's bait or not and i'm taking the bait uh <laughs> happily it's delicious yeah uh, lando is flirting with han solo and his droid is calling him out on that yeah so thank you lucasville
0: to me it feels completely appropriate to be honest Like, Lando is just so, like, self-assured and, like, confident and he's probably the kind of guy where he's like, I have a lot of love to go around, (laughs) okay? Yeah. There are no boundaries on my love. For sure. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And, yeah, Donald Glover continues to impress. And I also actually want to say that Alden Ehrenreich, I'm really getting sold on him. Like, it's in a much more, like, gradual, quiet way Mm. and like what's happening with Lando because like Lando he's so like bam in your face because he's so well he's just literally a very colourful character as he wears those like insane clothes
1: oh he looks amazing
0: he really does he wears them so well Um, there's lots
1: of great descriptions in Last Shot about that actually
0: oh I bet really
1: emphasise how well dressed he is
0: that's like an author's dream to be honest (laughs) Um, and yeah it's just like it's a much more eye grabbing and flashy performance in a way but I do think Alden's doing a really good job from what I'm seeing. And I really like the way he's delivering the lines and like the character he's exuding. So yeah, I'm exci- I'm just as excited for his performance, to be honest.
1: Me too. I'm actually so surprised that I've kind of got on board so quickly. Like we haven't even seen the movie yet. So maybe I end up hating it. Who knows? I'm not going to like... <laughs> it. But I don't think I will. Because I've, I've surprised myself by like starting to picture Han Solo as Alden.
0: Oh, wow. Like when I was
1: when i was reading the book i wasn't really picturing harrison ford i was picturing oldham and it's probably because it's coming out around the same time so i'm i have these trailers in my mind and all the posters and everything mm. but i'm getting on board with his depiction
0: that's really cool
1: yeah like, it surprised I, me
0: i know it would never ever happen and this is purely like my fan fiction um, but I really like the idea of there being like a framing device where it's like Han like retelling like Baby Ben Solo about like his adventures, like the bedtime story, like Princess Bride style. Um, and to me, it would be so cool if that were Alden. Of course, it would have to be Alden. They can't get like 70 year old Harrison. <laughs> 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 it would be like, we're all having kids prematurely, I just <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it would have to be Alden, but. I don't know. I would just really like that. And I think I would buy it. I think he could sell me on it, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm having like rambling pipe dreams at this point, but yeah, they're good dreams. They make me happy. So (laughs) it's all good.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll see. Like if anything comes of those parallels, I mean, there's plenty of them in the book and that Mm. is an accompaniment to the movie. So.
0: Oh, parallels between Han and Ben.
1: Um, There are a couple. I mean, I don't know if they're intentional. Obviously Mm. we'll talk about them when we have an episode. But just, like, seeing their interactions as well. Yeah. Um, And there's just certain lines that I, I feel like could allude to stuff that happens later that obviously the characters can't know about, but the author does, so...
0: Cool. Right. I think we can move on now, and this will be very quick, but I just wanted to talk about some of the posters that have been released so far for Solo, because we've had some pretty cool ones. So we've had posters for the UK, the US, and Japan going to put you on the spot, Kirsty, and ask which one's your
1: favourite. Um, They're all pretty similar. Like, Alden's got the exact same pose in all of them, with the gun. Sorry, blaster.
0: I would say that the US poster and the Japanese poster are particularly similar. So it's almost not worth, like, counting the Japanese one. I think it's really the UK versus the US.
1: Yeah. Probably the US one overall, just because I like the the color palette but um Mm. I like them both like I know a lot of people have a problem with these composite style photoshopped posters um but I kind of like them yeah like in a oh they tried way yes (laughs) I
0: I actually really like the UK one and not just out of a sense of national pride
1: um
0: (laughs) I I really like the way Lando is front and center
1: (laughs) yeah that's true his outfit looks amazing
0: yeah like, just because I think they really know that he's a great asset. <laughs> and they're like, yep, we are going to put him front and centre on our marketing. Thank you very much. Which I really appreciate. And I also really, really like the shot of Kira. Like, mm-hmm. looking completely femme fatale. Um, yeah, Amelia Clarke, I just love her aesthetic in everything we've seen so far. She looks really, really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Is Enthus Nest on that poster? Is that her down in the corner or is that a droid? Um, I can't yeah. tell. Her.
0: Is Enfys Nest, like, okay. a profile beneath Tube? Oh,
1: have you seen the stuff about um, Star Wars Newsnet, now not being sure whether that's a man or a woman?
0: <sighs> yeah, I think I am so bummed. I think that's because... Um, what's Star Wars Insider? So the official Star Wars magazine? Yeah. They released, like, a profile on Enfys Nest, and they used male pronouns. Um, but the thing is, I'm not sure how seriously to take that, to be honest, because like stars insider they have shown in the past that it is not written by people with like intimate connections to the film obviously okay. they know some stuff but i don't think they know a lot to be honest not that much more from like the average stars fan mm. and so i'm i think it might even be assumption really rather than the fact that this character is confirmed male because yeah like you i would really 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 like this character to be female i think that'd be so refreshing <laughs>
1: Well, because we we don't have an actor attached to it yet, right? Is that intentionally being kept secret?
0: I'd guess so. It definitely seems like it's being kept under wraps. I've seen speculation that Enfys Nest is Kira. There's absolutely no solid evidence to support that. So that's why I'm saying it casually like this, because I wouldn't just blur something out like that if it were confirmed and it were meant to be secret. Um, But I could see that being the case because... Yeah, then of course there wouldn't be like an actor announced because we already know Amelia Clark's in the movie, we just don't know she's also playing that role.
1: Right. But even if it's not her and it's another female actress, but they they want it to be a reveal within the movie itself because you see that kind of costume and you probably do assume it's a male character. Yeah. Um so maybe it's supposed to be revealed actually they're a female character and that's like part of the story. Yeah. Um but I, I just, I really hope that it is.
0: Same. I got really
1: invested in that idea, so yeah. I hope Star Wars Insider are wrong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would feel a bit cheated at this stage. <laughs> it's like, oh come on! I was looking forward to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we want female villains. Okay, Phasma was fine-ish, but we want more. Fine is very generous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> People know my feelings on Phasma.
0: Um. Yeah, and. Uh, Brit Boy, Paul Bettany, is also on the British poster, which gives it more points for me. <laughs> Looking evil. Um, Right. Then I think that's enough poster discussion. The next thing is that Empire, they have a cover story on the Solo movie. And, yeah, I have just picked up this magazine literally, like, three hours ago. So, in the very recent past. And I have read the story and looked at the pictures, and to be honest the pictures are probably more interesting than the story in this case, just because there's nothing we haven't really seen elsewhere, you know? Mm. So I'm not going to like read out big long quotes because there's nothing particularly revelatory. Most of the like story is just focused on the production upheaval and Lord Miller leaving and nothing new is illuminated and you just get people being cagey like Ron Howard being like oh I don't want to tell you what percentages and blah 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 and, <laughs> and stuff so it's not a very interesting story to read but there are fabulous pictures in it which more than makes it worth the price of admission in my opinion like Again, I know I keep on going on about Kira in this really superficial way and be like, oh, I really like her costumes. But I really like Kira's costumes. And there's an amazing picture of her in Empire where she's wearing this like fur coat and she looks very similar to Rachel from Blade Runner. It's really, oh. really striking. I, have you seen that picture?
1: I don't think so. Are these available online somewhere?
0: Well, that's the thing. I've really struggled to find good quality versions. Let me have a quick look. Um, I mean, just see what I mean.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, it's really really Especially, nice. Yeah, right? with the
1: hair as well. Yeah, and all her jewelry.
0: Yeah,
1: I like.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you like it too. It looks really awesome. Well, there's some really cool pictures in there. Um, the Akira one's my favorite again because of that Blade Runner vibe, and I'm on a real Blade Runner kick at the moment. So anything Blade Runner goes down well with me. And there's also a very cool pic of Dryden Voss, so Paul Bettany's character, I and mean, it's definitely the best look we've had at him so far. And yeah, it's quite interesting me you can really see the scarring on his face, um, which I've never noticed before. Because when you've seen him in trailers and things, it's he's, he's always been like very fleeting glimpses. So yeah, like he's clearly a gnarly looking dude who's had some experiences, mm-hmm. um, which is unsurprising.
1: That Mandalorian armor
0: Oh, I know right. Yeah, people were freaking out over that so much excitement. It's like, oh my gosh, Mandalorian <laughs> which don't get me wrong. I totally get the excitement.
1: yeah, because it, it's like does he have this big gallery of stolen artifacts that he collects? Is that kind of the premise here, and he's sending them on this mission to steal something else for his collection?
0: I get that impression because there's been lots of talk about there being like a MacGuffin. So have you heard about like a centerpiece of the movie being this whole like train heist? Yeah. Yeah. Um. In the Empire article, they talk about there being like a MacGuffin that they're going okay. after. Right. And I reckon that Dryden Voss has probably sent them like saying, get this particular object and bring it to me. And right. like you say, I think it's because he's some kind of collector. I don't even remember, but a long time ago, there was like a behind the scenes shot that showed this kind of like, Museum like environment with all these different like exhibits and cases, and I wonder if that's kind of like a museum,
1: right? Okay, I don't remember that shot, but I think that's what makes sense based on what we're seeing here.
0: Yeah, no, it does all fit together. I'll just also read out a very short bit from the magazine that does provide a bit of context on the villain character. Played by Michael K. Williams in the Lord and Miller version, Dryden Voss is now played by Howard Favourite Paul Bettany where Williams' Vos was alien, Bettany's incarnation is decidedly human. So that's interesting, because we have had, like, I think a podcast interview or something like that with Michael K. Williams talking about his involvement in Solo, and he said he was playing, like, a half tiger creature or something like that, which sounded really awesome, and it's sad we won't get that anymore, but I think I had speculated in the past that my feeling was that we weren't getting that anymore with Bettany because it would just be too time consuming and they needed to be much much quicker so they just Mm -hmm. made him a human character which definitely looks like the direction they went in.
1: Yeah it's kind of a shame that we'd lose that element of the character though because I I know this isn't like something that's like a huge factor in our love of Star Wars but I know there are fans out there who really love the alien aspect of it um, and in the new films there haven't been an awful lot of, like, important characters who've been non-human. Yeah, so that's
0: really true, actually. It's kind of a
1: shame that we missed out on that. But I'm sure his performance will be great. He's a very talented actor.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you think he's going to be the main villain of the piece?
1: Um, I feel like there are going to be several different types of villains. So I feel like we're going to have Enthys Nest. Um, I, I think that's been said that she's kind of a smaller villain, or she or he, Um earlier on in the movie, like, not the main villain. Um, and then I feel like Kira is going to end up some kind of villain because you have that element with Femme Fatale, right, that you're not sure whether you can trust them and she's going to have maybe some element of betrayal with Han. Yeah. But Voss is probably the one who's clearly coded as that classic type of villain, you know, scarred, looking angry, <laughs> holding that horrible weapon. like Yes. <laughs> so...
0: I think he might be like if you're playing like a video game, you get lots of mini bosses and then you get the big boss. I think Voss is the big boss, basically. So I think he probably like stays back from like the main action until the final part of the film. But then he's like the main like bad guy who's in opposition to Han and who like Han needs to like escape from mm-hmm. or otherwise defeat. Um and another interesting thing that Michael K. Williams said, like a while ago, was that there was a love triangle type of thing going on with his character Han Solo and Kira. And yeah, we haven't seen any mention of that at all in any of the promotional materials. So I'm curious to see whether that will carry through.
1: Yeah, that if that's what's going on, that fits with what we've just been saying, right? About her being this femme fatale mm. and like that she's actually been working with him these past couple of years, maybe while she's been separated from Han. And yes. it, that comes out throughout the story.
0: Yeah. I could see it maybe being like a situation like you get in The Last Crusade, the Indiana Jones movie, mm-hmm. you get like the Elsa character and like initially she seems very like benign and innocent, but then you realize she's got these ever allegiances and stuff, but it's still not completely clear cut at the very end, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. So the next thing to talk about is that Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan were interviewed about Solo on the Star Wars show. And, yeah, we have a few, like, comments here in the transcription. Could you maybe read out the first part, Kirsty?
1: Sure. Han was always my favourite character, the elder Kasdan says. He was a living person in my life, and like any living person, you wonder about what was their youth like? How did they get to be the person that I met much later? but don't expect Solo A Star Wars Story to fill in Han's origin story, Jonathan Caston says. What we started with in A New Hope was a very cynical guy, and it allowed for a character arc that sort of naturally lent itself to this movie, which is, how do you become a cynical guy?
0: Yeah. Like, I think, again, this just aligns with what we've been saying and is what you'd naturally expect, I think, based on the fact it's a young Han Solo movie. Um but yeah, this definitely feels like the most natural direction to go in, and I can totally understand why Kazdan would be drawn to that particular type of storyline. So it feels like if you are going to tell a story about the young Han Solo, it's kind of wasted unless you actually explore that angle.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that they're not just talking about it as like a yeah, this is his backstory. It's like it's a it's a story about Han Solo that is worth telling. Yes. Because it enriches what we already know. It's not just like. Oh, here's an entry for his Wikipedia page. Or Wikipedia, I should say.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's not for the sake of it, which I think is what everyone wants. So I think there was always a fear with this movie in particular. Like, with people thinking, is this story really necessary? Is this really something we need? And I think even after we've seen it, I don't think anyone will be like, oh my god, I absolutely needed to know this to follow the character in the original trilogy. I don't think it'll be like that, but I do think it'll be a similar situation to Rogue One, where once you see Rogue One, that does, to some extent, recontextualize the events of A New Hope. And I think that this movie will do the same for the Han Solo character.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't quite understand that argument anyway. Like, we don't need a sequel trilogy either. <laughs> They're just movies. Yeah. We so really true. enjoy them, but if you don't enjoy them, you go, oh, okay, not for me, and move on. Like, Yeah it's entertainment
0: <laughs> exactly for the secret trilogy to exist they basically took a sledgehammer to the happy ending of the original trilogy
1: oh yeah
0: So, yeah still it's a fun ride so it's all okay
1: but yeah i mean casden's he was working on this before he worked on the force awakens so yeah. i think this is a real passion project for the new era oh absolutely um, and he said it's his swan song right
0: and that does fill me with confidence because he's clearly passionate about telling the story. And we know that when all the Lord and Miller drama happened, he was involved in that and he wasn't happy with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's unfortunate that all the drama happened. But I do like that he was so involved even at that stage because I think often the screenwriter they submit the script and then it's not really theirs anymore, you know? Whereas I feel like Kazdan's had this ongoing involvement with the project and he really, really wants them to get it right like like you say probably because it is his swan song and the last thing you want is to write the script that you're really proud of and then see people grapple over it
1: so this is lawrence Kasdan on how solo came about when i was done i was sort of burned out and i said i don't know do we still want to do this Han thing and they said yeah we really want you to go ahead with Han." and i said well my son john is very enthusiastic and full of ideas about the saga and he had directed two movies and had done other things what if he came on and worked with me? Because that would give me a shot in the arm. And so that's exactly what happened. They made a deal with John and he and I have been writing since for three years. So I don't know if this is like common knowledge, but we know that um, Lawrence Kazan and his son wrote the scene between Han Solo and his son in The Force Awakens. So I think that's really interesting looking at this and like them then deciding, oh, wait, John's going to work with us on this too. Yeah. I feel like it it shows that they both have this clear understanding of what they perceive Han Solo to be about.
0: Oh, definitely. And I think it shows that, like, Kathleen Kennedy and the others at Lucasfilm, they had confidence in John Kasdan coming on too, probably because of what he did bring to The Force Awakens. Because there is something very, very real and raw and painful about that confrontation between father and son that I think, yeah, you can tell that an actual father and son both had like input into that and kind of like work together on it because I think both those voices stand out really loud and clear and yeah, it's very moving and powerful. So I'm really excited to see what they bring to it because they're both clearly very skilled guys.
1: Yeah. I feel like the power of that scene is that you can see the perspectives of both our concern and feel the emotion of both so strongly. Yes. And like the tragedy of the situation is that they both do care
0: Exactly. See so it doesn't work if you look at it and think, Oh, Carlo doesn't care about his father. The whole reason it's so tragic and so powerful is that you can see he still loves him and how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then besides that really there wasn't much else particularly revelatory, um though like a few fun tidbits, like John castan said that they actually wrote out each of Chewbacca's lines.
1: Yeah, I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, same. I think that must have been very helpful for Jonas um, when he was acting the part, because, yeah, you can just, like, make up... (laughs) Like, or just assume, like, the kind of tone that would have been used. But I think as a performer, it's so much better to actually know my character is trying to convey this.
1: Yeah, I think it makes it easier for them, really. And especially for Alden, too. Like, just have the scene going on. If he's supposed to be able to understand what are we saying? Then then play it like that.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I'd love to see a copy of that script, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, we might get it eventually. Yeah. Even I if it's so. just a leak. <laughs> Although I'm still waiting on the Last Jedi script.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be waiting a long time for that.
1: Oh. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> and the trembling fingers extended <laughs> across the dark space.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you got that emotion
0: exactly we need it please (laughs) and it's especially painful so i have looked at ryan's scripts for his other movies and he is like a very visual writer so he's not like a bare bones script writer he will really set the scene and like build a picture of what the film's meant to be showing
1: Mm.
0: Um, so yeah it would be damn good basically
1: (laughs) yeah i think he said on twitter that he wants to release it i just don't know if he has any control over that he probably doesn't or maybe they would have to wait until after episode nine in case I it reveals it. too much
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um. oh yeah so is there anything else you'd like to say about the interview with the Kasdans on the star Wars show
1: I don't think so just that it was really nice to watch uh, yes. they have a really nice dynamic and it, I just think it's cool to have a father and son writing team for this
0: oh definitely I really like seeing parents and kids in those kinds <laughs> of situations gives me the warm fuzzies <laughs> So then the next thing to talk about is that there have been many, many Star Wars Celebration rumours about where and when it will be happening. This is really just more an opportunity for us to talk about the next Star Wars Celebration. (laughs) Because I am not reading the article or articles from Star Wars Newsnet because basically what happened, one day, I can't remember which day, they put out an article saying that the next Star Wars Celebration will be held in the fall or the autumn for us British people um, in Anaheim to coincide with the launch of Star Wars land. The next day they put out another article completely contradicting that first article and saying it was wrong. And that it's going to happen in an undisclosed location, probably not Anaheim. And that will probably be happening in spring. <laughs> so, right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, It's really really long and there's lots of like explanations as to the logic behind this and how they got to their conclusions and why they put out conflicting reports but i'm not gonna bore anyone by going into all that minutiae it's just we don't know but i wanted an opportunity to say kirsty would you prefer um the next star celebration to coincide with stars land or would you prefer it to be its own separate thing so i'm kind of in two minds about it
1: i'm in two minds about it too um, because I would really love an excuse to go to Disneyland again. Yes. But I feel like if it's there to launch Star Wars Land, what, that probably makes business sense for Disney, so that's probably what's going to happen, but it's going to be an absolute nightmare to go.
0: Yes. I, I think that's exactly it, basically, because I've never been to like, Disneyland or... Did you say Disneyland or Disney World?
1: It's Disneyland in Anaheim. That's the first one.
0: Oh, okay, thank you. So I've never been to Disneyland in America, Um, But I would absolutely love to. So in a way, it would be a real blessing for me to be able to go to celebration and then be able to do that at the same time because that's never something I've had to experience before. I've never had an opportunity to experience before and I'm sure it would be wonderful. But in the same breath, there will be like 150,000 Star Wars fans going to that event. (laughs) And I think I saw something like the max capacity for Star Wars Land will be like 50,000 people yeah and can you imagine that level of people all trying to ram themselves into that park it would just be impossible and probably dangerous to be honest Mm -hmm. so yeah i could totally see why it's unrealistic to do that essentially like my dream scenario would be for them to hold it in london because then i can just go there no problem (laughs) but yeah that probably won't happen because it's going to be a really really big year for the franchise um basically whenever it's a big year they seem to want to hold them in america so if i want to go i'm gonna be going to america
1: yeah i've heard quite a lot of criticism about the one in orlando um i really enjoyed it and didn't have any problems personally but there was there was some issues with like the the lining up for the night before and everything and some people who'd queued then didn't get in because oh, right. a bunch of people were let in ahead of them like i was lucky but it could have very easily been me um right. and it just sucked um to wait all night for something and then not get in and then other people just turn up and they do that's oh, really bad
0: that's really really bad so was that yeah. queue in for the um panels
1: yeah Ooh, um
0: yeah that's really rough
1: the general consensus seems to be that people wouldn't want it again in Orlando, but I don't know how much that stuff has to do with it being in Orlando. It's just like that's what's associated with that in people's minds now. Um, Anaheim makes the most sense to me, but it could just as easily be somewhere like Chicago. or You know, it could be anywhere. Yeah. Um, but like you, I'm, I don't think it will be in Europe next time because it is a big one, and America just seems to be the place that a lot of people would find it easier to get to. So
0: Yeah, no, it's very true.
1: So you'll just have to make another trip to America right now.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I better start saving now, basically. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Right. Then the next story we have is that there are rumours indicating that Yoda may return for episode 9. And this is a report from NY Daily News. I have no idea how reputable this site is.
1: Right. I don't even know if we should be like, spoilers. Because it's it's almost like too early for us to be like trusting all this stuff it's it's basically just speculation at this point right
0: yeah no exactly it's really hard to know they say they have sources but again what what do we know and what do they know more importantly <laughs> so yeah this is from the NY Daily News Star Wars producers are planning to bring back Yoda according to a source familiar with episode 9 of the destroyed franchise what does that even mean <laughs> the success of the scenes featuring Yoda in the last Jedi were huge says our insider if all goes according to plan, the sci-fi space sage will rejoin the series in spirit to mentor a young warrior played by British actress Daisy Ridley, we're told. Oh my god, this is like it's written for space aliens who have no idea what Star Wars is. Yoda will again appear as a ghost as he acknowledges Ray's success and growth as a Jedi. We hear, the scenes are due to be put together later this year. So, do you call bullshit on this, or do you think there's an element of plausibility to this rumor?
1: I think there's a chance he would be back. I hope that Luke would be back too. Like, if I, if I had to choose, I really liked Yoda in Episode Eight. Um, yeah, I thought that scene was perfect. We've talked about it a lot, so I won't bore people going too much into it again. But um, yeah, if we're gonna have like a Force Ghost come back and talk to to Ray, it, it would make sense for it to either be Yoda or. Luke, I guess. Yeah. As much as we might want that, you and McGregor cameo or something.
0: Yeah, for me, that's my main issue with this report. That I'm not sure it would make sense really for Yoda to be the person like mentoring Rey like this. Well, because like yeah, she never met him. She wasn't there when like Yoda was giving this advice to Luke, and that scene worked and was powerful because Luke obviously has this history with Yoda, so they have like a common like background together and Rey doesn't have that if like Yoda shows up to her she'd probably be like who are you
1: <laughs> well it could be played in that way i guess
0: like yeah. if that's
1: acknowledged within the story that Rey doesn't have a personal connection to him but he's saying like i don't know he's giving her this contextualizing within the history of the jedi i mean it depends how they do it i agree yeah. that it could be really weird if it's like not acknowledged because yes. Ray does have all these intense personal connections now with people she's literally just met. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: She's definitely forming quick bonds.
1: <laughs> I mean, the this, this stuff with Leia is really emotionally heavy and they haven't spent a lot of time together.
0: Yeah. No, that's very true. Like, maybe they could explain it by saying, well, Luke, Luke's busy bugging Ben Solo, so I'm afraid he doesn't have time to teach you right now. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he sent me in as the substitute teacher.
1: <laughs> I mean... It's hard to know because the the way that the last Jedi kind of leaves things off with Ray, it's like she's the hope, she's doing it by herself, she's starting to come of age, right? Mm. So it couldn't be too much in a teacher-y relationship because I think the point of Ray's story at this point is that she is making it on her own, mm. um, because she's she's tried to have these mentor relationships with Han Solo, Luke, even Kylo to an extent, yeah. and and. And now she gets to the end of that movie and she's like, Yeah, I believe in myself, I can do this So it would have to be done carefully to, yeah. to not to not negate that arc.
0: Yeah. No, that's very true. It's like I really want to see Ray come into a, her own in this movie. And that doesn't mean her being an island or someone who doesn't need like help and support from others, because that would be also bad in its own way. But yeah, I decidedly do want to see like, Rage stand on her own two feet to a large extent.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And then the next story we have is that Victoria Mahoney has been hired as a second unit director on episode 9. And this is something that Ava DuVernay announced on her Twitter, and she tweeted, Happy to share this historic news. A black woman directing stories in a galaxy far, far away. First unit director JJ Abrams, second unit director Victoria Mahoney, and there's a lovely picture of them and Victoria has her arm around JJ and they both look so happy and yeah it makes me feel happy looking at them because this is great news.
1: It is great news, I'm so happy finally!
0: I know right? (laughs) And to me this is a great way of doing it because you are giving these women opportunities now and like if Victoria Mahoney kills on this, then give her a Star Wars story, mm-hmm. give her her own movie where she can direct First Unit, because I know she has directed like her own projects as like First Unit director. Like I know she's done TV episodes. I think she might have done like some indie movies, and yeah, this is like her first like real thing in Star Wars. But yeah, if she kills this, then hopefully the future for her is unlimited and all the opportunities be open to her.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that Ava played a part in this right yeah and she was able to share it um we know that she has a close relationship with jj so i think this is awesome
0: yeah definitely it's really really cool and it was funny though when i um first saw someone like link into it or something I um just saw that it was like, like on Ava DuVernay's Twitter and I first of thought Ava had been hired to direct a
1: star Wars I, film. I saw some people on Tumblr acting like that's what would happen. I was like, No, if you read it <laughs> she's just talking about someone else.
0: <laughs> it's like yeah, like I, I understand thinking that like for a few moments because that's exactly what I did. But yeah, just like let it digest and like read and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's been lots of debate over what kind of role she's going to have in this playing the story as well? Because the second unit director, that's different from first unit.
0: She's oh, yeah, not. Very, she's very
1: not co-directing with JJ, and I think I've seen a lot of people report it that way too.
0: Yeah, like it's
1: obviously this huge moment to have a black woman as the second unit director. This is huge for Star Wars. Fucking finally, honestly. Um, yeah. um but it's not the same. Yeah. Um Yeah. Just so... to be
0: clear, the second unit director they're responsible for things that don't require the main cast so if you're doing like an action scene where you can use stunt doubles or you're doing like shots of backgrounds that that sort of thing that tends to be where you bring the second unit in and it's just a way of keeping things going more quickly because yeah if the first unit films all of that then it gets very very time consuming and splitting the work in this way it means that the first and second units can work simultaneously
1: Mm mhm yeah, there's There's so much to do that J.J. Yeah. just isn't going to have time to shoot it all. And this is how they've done all of the Star Wars stuff, right? Like, you yeah. have second unit directors. Ryan had them. J.J. had them for seven. But this yeah. is obviously an historic announcement because they have not been hiring black women. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so exactly. obviously Ava wants to celebrate this, understandably. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's now starting to change, so thank goodness. Right, and then the last thing I just want to touch upon briefly to end on a nice celebratory note is that The Last Jedi topped the DVD Blu-ray sales chart. And this is from Variety. Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment stars of *The Last Jedi* debuted atop the national home video sales charts by a wide margin. The week ended March 31st. Then it goes on a bit, just talking about the wider financial success about of the film. Like this report is obviously a little bit old now. I know for a fact that um, *The Last Jedi* was at the top of the charts for two weeks running, and I think it's just been supplanted by *The Greatest Showman*. Um, which should be no surprise at all because that movie, in its own right, was a real mega hit. And yeah, you can't keep number one forever, but I just wanted to include this because it's a real like marker of the film's success and it shows that lots of people loved it and are picking it up for home video. It's inevitable. It's a Star Wars movie. Of course, it was going to be number one, but it just makes me happy.
1: Yeah, people love The Last Jedi.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They totes do. And no one hates it at all. No. There is absolutely no dissent. Everyone agrees it's a masterpiece of unmatched portions.
1: It's a crowd pleaser.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, And yeah, it was so nice being in New York. And what was the name of that store we went into? The one where you get DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff? Best Buy. <laughs> we went into Best Buy. <laughs> so it's kind of like baby's first Best Buy experience. And it was so nice to just see the display and see all the Star Wars, Star Wars in and yeah, simple things please me. And I did look at other things apart from displays of Star Wars merchandise in New York. We went to Toys R
1: Us as well when we were on our way to Broadway.
0: We did. (laughs) I actually took an amazing picture of Kirsty like looking up all like, oh, a a standee of Kylo Ren. It was pretty funny. Mm
1: -hmm. He looks good in those promo pics though
0: he does he looks so byronic like his luscious locks flowing in the wind (laughs) the pout. exactly the unmatched pout oh god yeah I really really hope that episode 9 like outdoes it with the like new Kylo promo images I'm gonna be so upset if they put the mask back on they better not oh I don't think that's gonna happen I don't think it will happen but just in case they're tempted I'm saying it now don't do it (laughs)
1: it would be really weird to have them make such a point of crushing the mask in episode 8 and then oh he just made a new one
0: (laughs) well he lost all his confidence Kirsty. his heart was broken by race
1: (laughs) okay fair minimum if he gets a new mask and it be new like a new design because otherwise just gets kind of boring
0: yeah oh my god the worst would be if he literally wore like the vader helmet (laughs) (laughs)
1: like in the force awakens concept art
0: yes that would be awful
1: no i think the point is now that he's not vader he's like transcended that yeah right like that he is his his own man his own supreme leader
0: this is very true like he's a big boy now and he doesn't need a mask to play pretend so
1: it's Mm -hmm. all good yep he is totally cool balanced happy with where he's at
0: has everything he ever wanted feeling good (laughs) everything (laughs) he ever wanted and nothing (laughs) (laughs) so yep i'm rachel you can find me at stars nonsense on tumblr and at journal of the stars on wordpress where can people find you Kirsty?
1: i'm basilar bay on tumblr and scavengers hold on twitter but i have just started my own twitter account that's like personal as opposed to the podcast just to kind of keep things a little more separate so if people want to follow me there i'm kirstie of jakku but it's just more of the same shit posting so <laughs> if that's your thing that's i fine. really
0: like that twitter handle by the way it makes oh, me thanks. think that you could be like an oc in like a fan fiction <laughs> like where you're like on jakku with ray and you're like her best friend and you're like yeah ray needs a friend yeah, exactly. I'd like to read that story.
1: And I'm a scavenger bird who doesn't steal her ship that she just fixed up. <laughs> <laughs> so nice.
0: You you would like change the whole direction of like Ray's character development because if she had like one like nice bestie who didn't betray her and was like totally reliable and trustworthy, she'd probably turn out quite differently.
1: Exactly. I'd make her <laughs> some food.
0: On that note, bye guys, and until next time.
1: Bye.